Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you and enjoy. How many of you even said this? I tried Jesus and it didn't work for me. We've heard this. Why? Because we've taught this. We sell him every Sunday. God is not a product with a promise. He is a person with a presence. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had plans change on you suddenly, like at the last second? Some of you are like, yeah, I didn't plan to be here right now watching this, but here I am. Guess what? Here I am also. This was also not my plan. My name is Kristen and I am the community pastor here at Mosaic. I am also on the teaching team, but Pastor Naeem was supposed to be here for week three of this series called Reimagining God. See, we do this morning devotion on Instagram and Facebook Live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning at nine o'clock. You should join us. But I did a little talk last Friday about deconstruction, and he called me up after and he was like, hey, that was so good, you need to preach it, like, now. So here I am, <laughs> so excited that you guys are with us, and I actually think it's gonna be a great conversation for the middle of this series called Reimagine God. Pastor Naeem, the last couple weeks, has presented new ideas to us, and the whole idea of this series is that we're gonna look at God and faith and our religion and maybe reimagine him to find out who he is, what is he about, what is his character to examine the things that we've always thought we've known and question if maybe there is something more. So the first week, he brought us the idea that God is not just a personal savior, but he's a liberator. He is a liberator for us to live free lives. Last week, he presented the idea that Jesus is not a product that we should apply three times a day and then make it work magically, but he's actually a person with a presence. Already this series has been so fantastic, and if you have missed any of them, we would love for you to catch up on our website or on our YouTube channel. Now, we've gotten different kinds of feedback on this series, okay? I know some of you are loving it. You're like, this is great. This is exactly what I've been thinking about, and I'm so excited to have people joining in the conversation with me. Some of you are not so sure. You're not so sure, and it's okay. This is your first time ever actually thinking about what you believe. And so you're like, am I deconstructing? What is this? I don't even know. I know some of you are getting mixed messages about deconstruction on social media, which is just kind of the trendy term or the word that people are using right now to talk about reimagining God and thinking about their face. You're not sure if it's good or if it's bad right? It's like you came home and all of a sudden all of your furniture was moved around and you don't know who came in and moved everything. Like it's yours, but it seems out of place. Or maybe you walked into your closet and you started getting dressed just to realize that maybe you're the one that changed. Suddenly you've changed and none of your clothes fit quite right. 
Some of you are feeling like that right now in the middle of this series. You're like, my faith feels like mine, but it doesn't quite fit. It's uncomfortable. Some of you don't like this <laughs> series at all because it is messing you up. You're like, listen, I had these two weeks of foundational concepts that have now been torn down and I don't know what to do with this. My foundations have just fallen around me and I am sitting in the middle of a mess. I don't even know what to do. What do I do? Listen, I am encouraging you this morning to stick with it. Please stick with it. Stick with us. Stick with God. Stay in this conversation because here's the thing. You are not done yet. If you are sitting in the middle of the mess, you are not done yet. Now I use that term deconstruction because that's something that a lot of people are knowing and hearing right now. But I want you to know there are some people who have adopted this term because they don't want to go to church anymore. Okay? You might have friends and family who have left church. They've decided to leave God. It's like all of a sudden they flipped a switch and God doesn't exist in their lives anymore. I have to tell you, that is not deconstruction. That is not deconstruction. That sounds like an excuse for someone who just kind of needs a reason to do what they want to do, to leave church, to disengage, to cut ties with close personal relationships that they have had with people that knew them and saw them, and they want an excuse and they want a socially acceptable reason to do what they want to do. So they're saying they're deconstructing, but really they're walking away and doing nothing else. See, what I think people are missing when they just adopt the term is they're missing that this is only the beginning. Reimagining God is really about waking up to that realization that your beliefs or your faith don't fit anymore, but then actively engaging in it, actively working to put all of the pieces back together. It's not about quitting. It's about discovering. It's about investigating. It's about persevering in the discomfort not just sitting down and quitting. It might look like this. Have you ever been in the middle of a project? Maybe something that you are super excited to do, right? You get excited, you have a project, maybe it's for your house, maybe it's for work even, but all of a sudden something happens in the middle and you can't quite seem to finish. If you follow me on Instagram, you're already laughing, you already know what my example is going to be here because I did this for a whole entire year. I storied about it. I asked you guys for questions and polls and opinions. I gave you updates. It's my dining room, okay? It's my dining room of my house. I decided that I was going to stencil my dining room, and I was very excited, but then about halfway through, I wanted to quit, and I can't even tell you why. I just couldn't get motivated to finish. But the problem is that I'd announced it. I had told people, hey, I'm doing this big project. So people were asking for updates. They wanted to know how it was going and how it looked. And you guys, it was embarrassing. It was so embarrassing because it wasn't coming together neat and pretty like I wanted. What I imagined for the end result was not turning out. I actually carried, I think, like a secret shame because also it was taking a lot longer than it should have. In my dining room, three of the walls are not even full walls. One has a window and two have giant cutouts. And those are the three walls I was stenciling. I should have been able to do this on a weekend. But here I was a year later, frantically trying to wrap it up because apparently in my mind, a year is like an acceptable deadline to get this done. See, I think this is where a lot of us 
are. It feels like we're in the middle of something, something that you're excited about, but now you feel stuck and you don't know how to finish. You may feel embarrassed because it's not looking how you imagined. It's not looking like you thought you wanted it to or how it should. You might even feel shame about it because it's taking so long. Guys, God sees that. He sees that and he is patient with you. He is not rushing you for a timeline or a deadline. See, the good news is, that's what I want you to know today, that God is ridiculously patient. Any pressure that I felt on myself, either to finish my dining room or currently now in figuring out my own faith is probably just coming from within. It's myself. I am putting the timelines. I am putting the pressure or it's, I'm projecting it on other people or other people maybe kind of hope that I will get my stuff together, but God doesn't. God is not rushing us. He is incredibly patient with us, like ridiculously, illogically patient with us. In 2 Peter chapter 3, it says this. It says, The Lord isn't slow to keep his promise, as some think of slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to change their hearts and lives. God is okay with you changing your, your mind. He's okay with you changing your heart and changing your life. And not only that, but I think he wants us to change. God wants us to grow. I think he wants us to be different people at the end of our lives than we are when we first met him. I don't think we're supposed to meet Jesus and then just live a happy life where we never grow or never change and we just stay the same. See, it's kind of the point of being in a relationship with God and having the Holy Spirit inside of us is that we get to change. We get to let that relationship and let the Holy Spirit within us change us. And God doesn't want us to perish in our theology. He doesn't want us to perish in whatever it is that we have been stuck in, the boxes we're stuck in, the routines that we're stuck in, the theology or the methodology that we've been stuck in. He doesn't want us to perish there. Growing is living, friends. In order for things to live, they have to keep growing, and the same goes for us. But God is patient. He's not waiting on us to get our stuff together. He is going to give us time. I mean, think about Jesus. Do you ever think about, <laughs> do you ever think about Jesus? Jesus was 30 when he started his ministry, okay? 30. He was 30. We see Jesus as a baby at Christmas. Then we see like 12-year-old Jesus in the temple. His mom and dad like, you know, went back home. He's like, cool, I'm going to stay here and listen. Remember that whole story? He gets left. Like, it's very, very scary. As a parent, it's very scary. But he's 12 there. And the next thing we know, like, boom, he's 30, starting his ministry. What was Jesus doing this whole time? Where was he? Uh, I guess God was being patient with him because we don't know. This is one of those details that when I get to heaven and I'm sitting in the heavenly Starbucks, I'm going to get all the Bible authors together and be like, do you not think this would have been a good place to like give us some information? Is he hanging out at a brewery? Is he making TikToks? Like what was he doing? I think God was patient with Jesus and God is going to be patient with us. Yes, he is. But, and, it is also time. It is also time for us to take an honest, humble look at what we are really doing while we're sitting here in the messy middle. So I want to tell you a story about God's people, the Israelites. You might have heard of them. They were in slavery in Egypt and God pulled them out. And for a variety of reasons, they could not arrive in the land that he had promised them. They were stuck in the middle for a very long 
long time. I'm talking like decades. Generations of new people were born. And a lot of things happened why they couldn't get there. The Old Testament has lots of accounts of all of them that we don't have time <laughs> to get into this morning. But eventually, they were led back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And the temple was where God would come to meet with them. So the prophet Haggai, the prophets would speak to the people basically on behalf of God, and he had a message for them from God. And so in Haggai, it tells us, this is what the Lord of heavenly forces says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Haggai's like, actually, it is, and I'm here to tell you so. Also, for the sake of this conversation, when you think of the temple, when you think of the Lord's house, remember, that's where God came to meet with them. That's where the people would go to meet with God. But for the sake of this conversation this morning or today, whenever you think of the temple, I want you to think of you coming to meet with God. So this is about your personal relationship with God. When you hear God's temple or God's house or rebuilding that temple or that foundation, I want you to think about your personal relationship and you meeting with him. Let's go on in verse three. The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to live in your paneled houses while this house, the temple, lies in ruins? See, it had been 70 years, 70 years. He was like, you guys, you started rebuilding the temple. Like you started it, you got to it, but then, but then what happened? You got distracted, like it didn't turn out like you wanted, so you just quit. It was more of a mess than you realized, like what's going on? You were in the middle of building the temple and then you just up and started doing your own thing. They started building their own houses. They were building their own shops, maybe a Starbucks, I don't know. They were building the things that they thought that they needed instead of focusing first on the temple so that they could meet with God and invite him into their lives. And I think God is asking some of us the same question. I think God is asking some of us, is it really time for you to do your own thing? Like right now, when this is being neglected, you started pursuing me. We started doing this whole thing together. We were in this relationship together, but you just stopped. To do what? To do what exactly? To build up your own platform? To build your own career? To create your own religion? your own life, like focus on your own life plan and life goals. Not that these things are bad, but is now the time when God's house, your actual personal relationship with God sits in ruins, when that is not built back up. Verse five, Haggai again. Now the Lord of the army says this, think carefully about your ways. This phrase we're going to hear again. Think carefully about your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough to be satisfied. You drink, but never have enough to be happy. You put on clothes, but never have enough to get warm. The wage earner puts his wages into a bag with a hole in it, with a hole in it. He's saying all that you're doing, all the energy that you're putting into building these things, to building up your life and building up the things that you think you need, it's not working. You eat, but you're still hungry. You're thirsty, but you're not happy enough. <laughs> not that like you're satisfied. You're not happy enough. There's only a certain kind of drink that make you happy. And I feel like it shouldn't take that much. I'm just saying, okay, distract. You wear clothes, but they're not trendy enough. You can buy all the things, but you're still not satisfied. You're not keeping up with the people next door. You get all the Instagram lives, but you still need that swipe up. You put money in your pocket or in your purse, but it has holes and it falls out. 
He's saying you're investing in the things that you think will fulfill you instead of doing the one thing that you know can. Verse 7, the Lord of armies says this, think carefully about your ways. There it is again. This is the second time. Think carefully about your ways. Go up into the hills, bring down lumber, and build the house, and I will be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. Think carefully about your ways. It isn't working because you didn't finish. (laughs) You're not done. Some of you are sitting in the middle of a torn down house, wondering why you don't have shelter. Some of you are sitting in the middle of a deconstructed mess, wondering why you get wet when it rains, because you are just sitting there. You're not done yet. You can't deconstruct and then just sit in the rubble. At some point, there will come a time when you have got to rebuild, reconstruct. God is patient with you, but eventually we have to get to that point. And hear me, it's not about the temple being completed. It's not about your faith getting to completion where you know all the answers and you know all of the things, but some of you have got to stop ignoring the mess that you're sitting in. See, he says, get up, Go into the hills. Maybe this does mean outside of the church. Maybe it means outside of what you've always known, what you've always thought, what you've always believed. He says, go and look for timber. Get up and go find it. Pick it up and bring it back down. Let's talk about the timber for a second, okay? Let's remember, it wasn't just a temple that was destroyed. Everything was destroyed. Everything was ruined. If they came in, armies came in, and they had carts and horses, and they would have been walking, like it wouldn't have been everything nice and neat, and just this one building was in a crumble. Everything would have been destroyed. But then there just so happened to be trees growing to the height that they needed when it was time to rebuild. All these years later, there just so happened to be trees up on the hill? No, they had to been planted at the right time and grown for the right amount of time so that now when they needed that wood, they needed that timber to rebuild, it was there. God provided for them in advance of when they would need it. He provided for them in advance and God is providing for you too. There are things that God has provided. He provided in advance of your reimagining, but you have to get up and go find it. You have to get up and go find it. God is providing for you because he wants you to rebuild. But you have to start moving. In Haggai 2, Haggai is one of the shortest books of the Bible. There's only two chapters. It's like two pages in your Bible, so you can go back and read the whole thing. But in Haggai 2 here, he says, be strong, Zerubbabel. I'm sure I nailed that name, Zerubbabel. He was like the governor. He was one of the leaders of the people. And be strong, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong. All you people still left in the land. I think that's us. All you people still left in the land. And now get to work, for I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt, just like I told you I would be there, just like I was there so many times, even though you guys seem to forget, I was always with you. So do not be afraid. God is still with you, and you might think that he's left, but I wonder if it's because you have stopped engaging with him. 
You might think God is not talking to you anymore, but maybe it's because you have stopped engaging in the conversation. You're not pursuing him. You're not pursuing the relationship right now. But God has not left you. See, it's not about us bringing God into our lives. It's realizing that God is welcoming us into his, no matter where we happen to wander. We can let go of all of the religious things and still be very much in the center of God's presence. Now, I know some of you are like, okay, great, but really, like, no, really, what does rebuilding look like? Because I don't even know where to start. I think God shows us two things. We need to think carefully and build collectively, and both are part of the process. So let's start with think carefully. Four times, four times in this very tiny book of the Bible, God tells Haggai to tell the people, think carefully. There's a reason for this. God wants us to engage. He wants us to use our brains. He wants us to ask questions and take things to him that we are wrestling through, doubts that we have, things that we don't understand, things that don't make sense. If he wanted us to just blindly believe whatever was told to us, he would have wired us up that way. He would have not formed us with these brains to think and engage and question and ponder. He wants us to think carefully. Now, you can. You can blindly believe. I think a lot of us, I did it for a lot of years. Some of you might be doing it right now, and it is an option for you but you'll be operating out of religion instead of the relationship that is available to you if that's what you choose. We have to think thoughtfully and deeply as you read the Bible and you listen to pastors and you listen to podcasts and read books, take it in, read it slowly. One of my favorite journals that I use is called Write the Word and it is like one verse a day, maybe three verses. And at first I wasn't sure how that was going to work. So I'm like, God, this is not enough. Don't I have to read like a chapter or a book or at least get to like the next bold line in the Bible? No, God will speak to you in a verse. He will speak to you in whatever amount you read. It's not about how much you read. It's about taking it in. Read different translations. Ask God what he is showing you. And maybe you do need a journal or a notebook. We handed out notebooks for you guys for this series for this exact reason. We want you to write down all of the questions that you have and all of the things that you're hearing, not just on Sunday mornings, not just from us, not just from morning breath, but from God. And if you don't know if it's God, it's okay. <laughs> write it down anyway. You can always go back and process later. I have so many journals where it's, it almost seems like I have a split personality because I'm writing, writing, writing something in the middle of a sentence, it flips. And I can go back and look, oh, this was me. This was the lie I was believing. This was something that I was stuck in. And then God just spoke to me. And because I wrote it down and I just keep writing, I could then see his truth and what he wanted me to know. Find a journal, find a notebook, and trust God. He is speaking to you. Don't worry about if it's right. Just write it down. Patterns will emerge as you go. The other part of thinking is that we have to think courageously. And this is going to be hard for some of you, but you can do it. Be brave. I want you to think courageously. Learn what is out there. What is outside of the box or the bubble that you have always lived in? What is outside of the box or the bubble that you have always kept 
God in. There is a lot of theology that wants to tell us that faith is binary, that there are two options. It's black or it's white, it's right or it's wrong. The more you think creatively, the more you may see that that's not actually the case. You might have also heard this idea of a false dichotomy. That's the same idea that there are two options and that's it. Friends, that is not the case. There are so many other options and opinions. And just because you read something, just because you read a book or you listen to a podcast or you listen to a sermon, it doesn't mean you have to agree with everything 100%. That's the beauty of thinking. That's what thinking is. You get to take in all kinds of different perspectives, hold them up to the heart of God, hold them up to the character of God and see what fits. Hold on to what fits. And then you can let go of what you've been holding on to if it doesn't line up with his heart anymore. What is God putting on your heart? Just pick a place to start. You also don't have to figure God out all at one time. I promise you I have not, nor do I think I ever will on this side of heaven. Start somewhere. What is the thing that you keep bumping up against? What is the topic that keeps coming to mind? What is the pattern that keeps emerging as you listen or learn or move through your life? Where have you become aware that something doesn't feel right? Have the courage to start there. If you need some ideas, I have a couple for you. Maybe we'll start easy. (laughs) Maybe you want to dig into what it means to read the Bible. Maybe you've always thought it was an instruction manual and we were just supposed to pull verses and apply them and just take that for face value. Maybe you need to dig into what it means in the context and the culture of the time. Maybe it's purity culture. Some of you I know, because I was there too. Some of us grew up in this as kids and now we're parents and we're looking at it going, wait, 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 wait a minute. What if the way we're teaching our kids about sex is not actually protecting them, but it's doing damage to their future marriages? Maybe that's a place you could start. What about Christian nationalism? You've probably heard this phrase. Is it different than patriotism? Is it the same thing? Is it just another way of grouping people? What about human rights? Who human rights are for and at what age they start? What rights do they actually include and for who, for what people? What about same-sex marriage? Those verses that you've always known, do you know them in the context, in the culture of the time? Could it be possible that they mean something different? I am not here to give you answers, and I know I just made some of you extremely uncomfortable. I'm sorry, but I'm gonna leave you in your discomfort because the point of reimagining God, the point of wrestling through your faith is not for me or Pastor Naeem or anyone else to give you an answer. That is just blind belief. It's not about finding all the answers. It's about wrestling with the right questions. See, we can hold the yes and more than the either or. We can hold both the questions and the answers lightly with open hands but we have to think carefully and courageously to do it. The second thing that I think God is telling the people and calling us to do is to build collectively, start conversations. I know, like I said, for those of you that are loving this series, you're having conversations with other people who are having similar thoughts. Friends, I don't think they built this temple alone. Sure, Haggai relayed the message and he brought them, this is what God is saying, 
but I don't think that they just like went to work without having side conversations, without talking to each other as they were doing this. I highly doubt that they all 100% just believed Haggai and they were like, all right, we're gonna rebuild. Like surely there was some grumbling, some disagreement. I don't know, what do you think he said about this? Do you think this is true? Like these were real people. They were having real conversations. Who can you ask to come alongside you even if this is not their mess to clean up? Because these people who were rebuilding the temple, this was not technically their mess. Some of them were not even alive. They didn't destroy the city. They didn't destroy the temple. Remember, it was decades and generations. Some of them were not even born when this happened. But here they are. They're coming back. They're joining in. They're rebuilding and engaging what the new temple can look like, the new meeting place with God. What can your new faith look like? What can your new relationship with God look like? Ask someone to come alongside you, to have the conversations and your questions and your doubts. Debate about it. Debate is okay. Have the conversations and invite someone in to help you rebuild. See, for me, this is probably the hardest part of my job. As a pastor, I know some people would be like, well, it's your job. It's your job to care for people. Well, it is, okay? It is. It's my job to care for people. But the way God has wired me up as a person is to care about people. And I will tell you, those are two very different things. They're very connected, as they should be for anyone in my position. But they are different. When I see people leave the church, it breaks my heart. When I see people leave, not just Mosaic, not just my campus, not just my circle of responsibility, but when I see people leave the church and turn their back, it makes me so sad. I have heard people say things to me like this. I don't need to go to church to have God. I don't need community. I don't need religion. I don't need anything God adjacent. I don't need anybody else to help me with my faith. I'm gonna find him my own way and my relationship with God doesn't have to do with anyone else. Okay, well, sure. Fine. Technically, you can have a relationship with Jesus all by yourself. You can follow Jesus all on your own. But why? Why? You are going to miss out on so many other things. You are going to reap the benefits that come with being part of a church. Not that come with religion, but that come with the relationship of not only God, but with other people. Think carefully about your way versus his way and how much richer it would be to rebuild with other people. There's something to being part of a community where you can come in and people know your name and they can give you a hug. Maybe they know you need it, maybe not, but someone is happy to see you. They know you. They see you as a person. There's something about coming to a service, even on live stream. We're so proud of, of those of you that join in week after week. There's something about being here and getting lost in the crowd and lifting up your voice among other voices and just coming up and showing up and not having to do anything, not having to perform in the midst of a busy week. And I get it. I get it. Some of you have major wounds and major church hurt. But what if you can also find your healing in the church? Maybe God will bring you a Haggai and he will bring someone into your life to challenge you and encourage you and to help you 
rebuild your temple and your relationship with God. See, reimagining God isn't actually about deconstructing. It's about reconstructing. It's about rebuilding. And here at Mosaic, we're doing this together. We're doing this together even though we are in all different places all across the board. That's the beauty of it. We can move forward together. We can rebuild together on different timelines, from different places, even with different beliefs and ideologies. Why would we all expect to be at the same place or to end up at the same place when we didn't start at the same place? But we invite you to do this with us. And some of you might just be walking in with like the bricks in your hand, just showing up going, this is what I have. I have this like torn down rubble and I don't know what to do with it. I just have this mess and I don't know how to rebuild. It's okay. We are so glad you're here. And we want you to sit in it for as long as you can. We do not want to rush you. But when it's time, and the time will come eventually, we want to be here to help you rebuild. See, God is patient. He will let you sit there as long as you need. You just crawl up in onto his lap, crawl all up into his presence as long as you need to. But at some point, once you've rested, once you've filled up with him, you've got to be secure enough in your relationship with him. You've got to get to a place where you are secure enough in knowing that he loves you so much, no matter how far away you wander, that you know you can get up and move, and he is going to go with you. Are you actively engaging to know God more, or are you ignoring him completely under the guise of deconstruction? Don't stay stuck in the rubble. You don't have to know how it ends. You don't know, have to know what it's going to look like when it's finished, but get up and go. He is with you in the process. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for who you are. God, that you are a loving father who wants to see us grow, who wants to see his children grow and change. God, thank you that you are so patient, like ridiculously patient. You have a patience that we can't even understand or fathom because you are God and you are like no other person. And God, we just thank you for that. Help us to sit in that. Help us to know that if we feel rushed, if we feel like we're being told we're doing it the wrong way, if we feel like we're being told we have to do it a certain way, that those pressures are coming from other people and that you are not saying these things to us. God, help us as a church to be a soft place to land. Help us as a church, God, to come alongside and to see the people who want to grow with you, but they're scared. God, give them the courage. Give us the strength to come alongside them so that we can rebuild and move forward together. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are speaking to every single person who is watching this right now, the people that don't even know how they ended up on this video. God, the people that don't know if they've ever heard from you ever in life, I thank you that you are speaking to them right now. And God, I ask that you would make it so clear and so apparent that you see them and you know them. God, for those people that feel alone, they feel embarrassed or they're feeling a sense of shame, God, bring people around them to encourage them and walk with them. 
God, help us also to be humble because this can be a very hard thing to hear. Help us to be humble if we're feeling challenged. God, and to listen to you, to be able to come to you humbly and say, God, what do we need to put down? What do we need to let go of? And what do you actually want us to know about your heart and your character and who you are? In your precious name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.